Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 30 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wael. In today's episode, we will uh, continue talking about uh, what is the sunnah or what is sunnah exactly. And um, inshallah, I will get a chance to answer uh, the question um, that was asked by one of our listeners um, regarding what is Ahmadiyya, which is a sect uh, of Islam, and, and, and they consider themselves Muslim, but other Muslims or certain government like Pakistan or um, do not consider them Muslims. So we'll talk about that as well. But uh, let's just, you know, uh, start where we left off. But before we start, I just want to remind all, all the listeners, thank you so much again for listening. And if you have any questions, please um, um, uh, s- um, send them in uh, to delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And uh, I'll be more than uh, honored and happy to answer all your questions. Um, so let's get right into it. So uh, we basically stopped at... Uh, describing um, the um, some of the uh, you know the the, the relationships between um, uh, the Quran and the Sunnah, right? So that's what we talked about last time. So this time, inshallah, we will uh, uh, resume our topic, but we will basically talk about other Sunnah behaviors by our Prophet sallallahu So our Prophet sallallahu again, when we defined what sunnah was, we said that it's the behavior or the way that the Prophet sallallahu lived his life according to the Quran and according to the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that makes it sunnah. And we said that also, just a, a little bit of a you know recap, that sunnah is not less important than the Quran. Actually, they complete one another. And, and that was pretty obvious when we described the relationship between both of them. Those who do not follow sunnah because they think it's extra or it's a bonus or it's not mandatory are uh, basically, um, they're technically misguided. They don't know what they're talking about because sunnah is as important as the Quran because both sunnah and the Quran are a revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also we talked about that the Prophet ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually asked us to follow the sunnah in the Quran multiple times. When he asked us to follow the commands of the Prophet ﷺ, when he, he, he asked us not to disobey the Prophet ﷺ, all this is technically Allah telling us to follow the sunnah, commanding us actually to, ta- to follow the sunnah. And we know that in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to do something and we don't do it, it's a sin. It's a big sin. It's a big deal. Right, so following the Sunnah is a mandatory upon every Muslim who believes in Allah and His final Messenger. Now, let's talk about some of the behaviors, like you know the day the daily behaviors that the Prophet ﷺ used to you know do uh, uh, um, on a daily basis, basically. So, number one, eating with the right hand. So every Muslim should be eating with the right hand, and the reason why is because Shaitan or Satan eats with his left hand so we're trying to differentiate ourselves or do the opposite of what satan and his followers do and yes the devil or shaitan they eat and drink they use the bathroom they urinate they're like us do not forget that we had this we talked about this multiple times that the jinn species which satan is from is like human beings they have extra abilities like they're invisible to us they can see us they can absolutely see our world and act with it we cannot see them allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran and he sees you him and his followers from where you cannot see them 
but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also protects us from them um, when we, you know, like have the proper uh, lifestyle. And uh, yeah, so they're like us. They sin, they, they are born, they die, they get married. It's all like human beings, but on a different, you know, kind of level. Uh, Satan is the only one who doesn't die until the day of judgment because he made dua, he made a supplication to Allah, he prayed to Allah to keep him alive so he can keep tempting mankind. He was trying to prove to Allah that, you know, mankind is not worthy of being created. So that he's the only one to be um, alive until the day of judgment. So again, eating with the right hand is one of the daily sunnah things that the Prophet ﷺ used to do. He always eat with his right hand. Now, one should not eat very hot food, nor blow in the food while it's hot. So you shouldn't eat very hot food. It's not healthy for your stomach. You know, you could burn your mouth. And everything you do that could hurt your body is wrong. You shouldn't do it. The reason why is because your body does not technically belong to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you your body to live with it in this life, right? And you should be careful. That's why hurting yourself is not a good thing. On purpose, of course. Um, that's, uh, you know, the, there are some weird rituals where people can, you know, they, they hurt themselves and do stuff to themselves. And that's not, that's not right. That's actually, you're being uh, sinful when you do this because your body belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he has given it to you. Basically, your life is Allah giving you a soul and giving you a body and combine them together. That's why you're alive. By the end of your life, no matter where, when, when would that be, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will extract that soul from your body so you'll become dead again. So during the time that you're alive, you should be taking care of your body, you should be healthy as much as you can. You should try your best to keep the trust or the, the amana, that because your body is a trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you, and what you know, like use it for the good. Do not harm it. Do not hurt it. Just use it for the good, right? So yeah. So you shouldn't eat very hot food, and don't blow. And and and, and if it happens that you decide to eat or drink some hot drinks or whatever, we usually like you know blow in it. We're like we do this to make it you know like a little bit uh, warmer or you know a little bit colder. The problem is you have germs in your breath. And you add these germs into the food and then you eat them again. And it's very unhealthy, you know. <clears throat> also, uh, from the manners or the etiquettes of the Prophet ﷺ, what he used to do in, in terms of like, again, the sunnah, the way he lived. And it, this shows you how disciplined and polite and perfect of a human being he was. So basically, he used to eat, and this is the third point, eating from the side which is in front of you. Eating from the side which is in front of you. And this is an indication of you're being polite. Like if you're eating from a big dish, if you're taking, you know, like we have the whatever, order pizza, let's say, and it has like eight slices. So take from the, you know, the part that's in front of you. Take a slice from, don't go take from the slice that is, it's in front of someone else. It's kind of rude, you know, and you should always be polite even while eating. Um, one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ used to do was sitting down while drinking. Again, it's healthier. Again, at the end of the day, we might not fully comprehend why certain things happened, at least, you know, for us or for our brains. 
But rest assured that the Prophet ﷺ himself did not do anything random. He got the information from Allah, the revelation to do certain things or how to be healthy or how to do this and that. And he acted upon it, you know. So sit down while you're drinking is one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ used to always do. Sleeping on the right side of the body. So alhamdulillah, I, I, well, I, I, I technically follow uh, alhamdulillah everything that's passed. Sometimes, you know, um, drinking while sitting, I, I, I forget. But if I remember, I always do, inshallah. So sleeping, on, so when you go to sleep, anytime, you know, at night time, whatever, if you want to take a nap, always try to sleep on your right side. Now here's the, the, the catch, especially at night time. Uh, we know that Islamically, the right is always better than the left, right? In terms of metaphorically, you know, right and left and all these things, you know, the right is the right thing to do. The left is, you know, not the right thing to do, whatever. Again, this is metaphorically. But when you go to sleep at night, here's the thing. Actually, when you look it up on Google, like I think when you go to sleep on your left side, you have a better sleep, a more restful sleep. Now, follow me here. When you sleep on your left side, I, I think the whatever science or medicine, they say that you have more of a restful sleep than if you sleep on your right side. Even, but, but you know, like that's that's basically the, the, the whatever the statistics. But when you sleep on your right side, now, number one, it's healthier because when you sleep on your left side, you're basically sleeping on the side where your heart is. So you like you, you apply some sort of pressure on your heart. But when you're sleeping on your right side, it's healthier. It's less restful. And there is a reason why the Prophet ﷺ used to sleep a less restful sleep because it's easier for you to wake up and pray Fajr. If you're completely restful you won't wake up for fetch it's going to be so difficult for you to wake up and pray fetch now pray fetch for those of you who do not know meaning pray to dawn prayer which currently as we speak it's around uh like starts at four o'clock it ends at like 5 40 a.m so like you know anytime between like you know the, the earlier the better so it's like around four o'clock 4 30 right so when waking up at four o'clock when you're completely rested is very difficult. So you need to have like a kind of restless sleep as again, you sleep, you, you knock out. It's not like, Oh, you're going to be, you know, waking up every five or 10 minutes. No, no, no. You're going to be, but it's going to be easier for you. Now, some of you might say, well, what if you like, but you know, flip sides while you're asleep. That happens to a lot of people. That's fine. Just have the intention to sleep on your right side and have the intention that you want to wake up for fetch for dawn prayer, right? Also, the Prophet ﷺ, while he sleep, and this is a description of how he lived his life, right? And how he used to go to sleep. So also while he was sleeping on his right side, he would also uh, put his right uh, palm, his right hand, under his right cheek. He would put his right palm under his right cheek. And he would actually keep his knee slightly bent. So, you know, when you're like sleeping, so it's not like a, a like a straight, like your body's not like a straight up, like, you know, asleep, like a, um, not like a 180 kind of thing. No, there's a, a slight bend. So he, he bends his knees close to his chest a little bit, not like in a, a, a in an uncomfortable way. No, 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 no. Like just a slightly bent towards his chest. And so you can imagine, it's like he's sleeping a very normal sleep for a lot of people who put their, you know, hands, uh, you know, below their cheeks and they just sleep on the right side and they bend their knees. That's it. It's really simple. 
Also, one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ used to do on a regular is exchanging gifts. He would give gifts and he would accept gifts. Because basically, when and the Prophet ﷺ said, said in the hadith, Tahadu tahabu, exchange gifts, the love between you will spread. And it makes sense. When you buy someone a gift, even if it was something that's not expensive, that's something that's very inexpensive, you know, they will still appreciate it. You could put a smile on their face just by buying something very small. You know, you heard someone loves to read certain books and then you figured out the genre that they like to read. So you just buy them a book or you buy them whatever, anything, anything, a board game or, you know, um, whatever, something that's manageable so you can always keep on doing it, you know. That's beautiful because it spreads love between one another, you know. Also, when you are speaking to someone, anyone, speak softly and politely. Speaking loudly and being vulgar is anti-Islam, believe it or not. When you're loud and you're vulgar, oh, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. You know, you can't be vulgar. You can't be loud because it's un-Islamic. The Prophet ﷺ used to be, again, quiet enough for people to hear him. It's not like quiet that you can't even hear him. No, 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 no. He used to be speak quietly and politely and slowly in a manner that makes you feel comfortable talking to him. You know? Also, one of the biggest things that the Prophet ﷺ, and I'm, I'm pretty sure mo most of the Muslims know about it, is when you enter the bathroom, you enter with your left foot, and then you make the dua or the supplication, Oh Allah, protect me from the khubth and khaba'ith, meaning the male, the male and the female jinn who live in a bathroom. Now, the story of the bathroom is basically, the bathroom is the worst place in your apartment to be in. And the reason why is because, Jinn or shayateen or the devil, you know, from the jinn, they live in places that are filthy. And the filthiest place is the place that, you know, you use the bathroom, which is the bathroom. You know, like when you go and, you know, you let go of your waist and whatever, it's the bathroom. So you go there in the bathroom and they live there. It's their home. It's their room, basically, you know. So when you walk in, you walk in with your left foot. And then you say this dua, oh Allah, protect me. Because again, anything could happen. You could like spend hours there thinking about bad things. This is all coming from the bad jinn or the devil in the bathroom, you know? Okay. Also, and this is something very interesting that I noticed that a lot of specifically Muslim men don't know how to do, which is while you're, you know, like urinating, you have to sit down. As a guy, do not use the urinals. Don't use them. This is a big deal. And unfortunately, a lot of Muslims do not know this. Let me explain to you. The Prophet ﷺ, one day, he was uh, walking by a graveyard. And then he heard two people, now only he, heard two people screaming while they were buried. That means they were being punished. And we have in Islam something called the punishment of the grave. Now, he heard them screaming and yelling. He realized right away they were being punished. So he it was revealed to him by Gabriel or Jibreel the reason why they were being punished. So he told his companions who were walking with him, he says, these two people point, pointing at their graves, they're being tortured or being punished in the grave 
not for a major sin. So the companions were shocked. What? We thought that, you know, like you have to be a really bad person to, you know, be punished in the grave. A horrible human being. He said, no, you know what they did? They didn't care about their urine staining their bodies, staining their clothes. What? <laughs> Hold on, wait. So they had splashes of urine on their bodies or the clothes and that's why they're being punished? Yes. Why? When you, we all know that urine whether your urine or somebody else's urine, when it comes on your clothes or your body, you cannot perform prayers. You cannot make salah. You can't because it's impure substance. It's impure substance. So what happens when an impure substance touches your body? Well, it makes your prayer invalid. So imagine that you are someone who does not care about their urine splashing over their bodies, about the mist of the urine coming on your, you know, clothes when you're using the urinal, and you go make wudu and pray. Your prayer is invalid because you have impure substance all over your clothes or even in a part of your clothes. You can't be praying with, that's why, you can't be praying in a house where a dog lives because of the impurity of the saliva of the dog, because of the impurity of whatever the, you know, the peeing or, you know, like the feces of the dog, whatever this is. Imagine you do this and you don't care and you do it for the rest of your life. Guess what? All your prayers are invalid or most of them for that part when you use the urinal. Even if you don't use the urinal and use, you know, like the toilet, still, if you're standing, the mist of the urine will come on your body or like, you know, on, uh, on your clothes or your pants or whatever you want to call it. And that's unacceptable. That's why a Muslim man, well, a Muslim woman does it anyway, but a Muslim man should sit down while peeing. Sit down while you're peeing and let the pee go through the toilet. So... The mist of the pee does not come all over your body. You have to understand, this is a big deal. <laughs> People were being punished, heard to be punished in their grave for not caring. Now, if you don't, if you didn't know and now you, you know and you corrected yourself, don't worry about it. Inshallah, it'll be great. But like for those, of, those who knew and they were too lazy to act upon, ah, it's easier to pee this way. All right, good luck. Unfortunately... Uh, there are little things that we need to know about our religion. And again, our religion just tells you how to be pure, at least when you're meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for prayers. Right? Okay, regarding cleanliness, uh, the Prophet also used to wipe, you know, after, you know, um, um, uh, doing number two or, you know, after like, you know, um, uh, uh, letting go of the feces, you know, used to wipe with his left hand do not wipe with your right hand and because your right hand is technically what what is called is the hand of of the honorable hand the honorable hand this is the hand you shake people's hands with you know so out of honor you always try to wipe with your left hand and i know i promise you i know for those of you who use your right hand it's very difficult to switch for me, when I found out about this information, it took me a very long, t well, not a very long time, but it took me a while to be able to get used to do this. A again, wiping meaning 
even if you're like drying, because I we have a bidet. Alhamdulillah, thank God. We do not, you know, like use uh, toilet paper. And again, there's nothing wrong with using toilet paper. And, and I'm about to talk about this also uh, in a little bit. Because some people think as a Muslim, it's mandatory for you to have a bidet. Actually, a bidet is more of a cultural thing. Like it's it's related to culture. And it's more clean. It's definitely more clean. And it's definitely better. But there's it's you're not sinful if you use uh, toilet paper. And I'll tell you what is the condition to use toilet paper. But let me get back to... So I I, I, I don't usually wipe whatever. I just uh, dry uh, after, you know, I use the bidet and I use my left hand. I started using my left hand and it was a little bit difficult at first. But then I forced myself because, again, we're not supposed to use our right hands. The Prophet commanded us not to use our right hand. That makes it mandatory now, you know. Again, it's not that big of a deal. You're going to get... You're going to struggle for like a week or two. That's exactly what happened to me. But then now... Uh, it's my new normal. I don't care about it. It's so easy. I, I don't even sweat it, right? Now, let me um, address the issue of uh, um, um, uh, the bidet and the toilet paper. Uh, again, like I said, alhamdulillah, we, 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 we have uh, bidets, but like uh, you have to understand that the Arabs, the Muslims, back in the days of the Prophet, there was no such thing as uh, washing with water. They didn't do that. They used to wash with uh, the leaves from the trees. They used to not wash, my bad. They used to wipe. But here's the thing. You have to make sure that when you use a toilet paper, it has to be clean. Like you have to keep wiping, you know, until it's clean. Until you wipe and you see nothing in the toilet paper. Do you understand? That's the only condition. If that th- that condition is, uh, you know, uh, is there... Uh, if you can fulfill this condition, then you can go ahead and use toilet paper. You don't have to use a bidet. But a bidet makes it a lot easier because it washes. But then you have to also make sure that, you know, of course, the ideal situation is that you use both. The ideal situation. But if you can't use both, whatever you can use, just make sure that, you know, you have uh, cleaned, uh, you know, your your bottom very well. Right. Uh, that's basically it. Now. One of the things that the Prophet ﷺ used to do is accepting invitations from other Muslims. So if a Muslim comes to you and tells you, hey, um, I'm inviting you over for this and that. As long as it's not haram and it's not something that's harmful, you know, um, then you should accept it unless you have, you're busy doing something else. But if you just don't want to accept it for the sake of not accepting it, you shouldn't do that. It's, uh, you know, it's the opposite of what the sunnah recommends you to do. Also, when you have a good dream, you should narrate it or you should talk about it with your loved ones. If you, And the opposite, if you have a bad dream, do not talk about it. Again, when you have a good dream from the sunnah, from the, you know, the, the, the custom of the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he had a good dream, he would go and talk about it. And then he told us, when you have a bad dream, do not talk about it to anybody and keep it for yourself. Because we know that bad dreams could be uh, one of two things. It's, it's coming from shaitan. Uh, Satan comes in your dreams and try to, you know, freak you out by causing nightmares and whatever. Or it, uh, it's basically uh, your subconscious. You're afraid about, you're worried about something and whatever. And then your basically subconscious gives you such, you know, bad dreams or, you know, or you're afraid of something and then your subconscious makes you dream of that thing and, and so on. All right, so these these were the things that the Prophet ﷺ, again, these are like the minor things that the Prophet ﷺ used to do on a daily basis, you know, and, and again, 
if you just, you know, um, uh, listen to them and list them out and then try to follow them, inshallah, you know, you will get rewarded because you are trying to follow the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, And also that means pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, we, we, we mentioned before that there are people who are rejecting the sunnah. They say, oh, we follow the Quran only. We follow the Quran only. Sunnah is not that important or sunnah is not that mandatory. So, you know, never mind. All right. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the Quran. Now you guys, you know, those who are saying this, okay, you guys follow the Quran, right? All right, let me bring you a verse, another verse, because we talked about a couple of verses. Obey Allah and obey his messenger. And then another verse. Whatever the Prophet commanded you to do, you have to do. Whatever he forbade you from doing, you cannot do. This is basically sunnah, following the sunnah. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man faqad Allah, wa man fama Allah is explicitly saying, if you follow the Prophet the way of the Prophet which is the sunnah, you're following Allah too. If you obey the Prophet you're obeying Allah too. If you obey the Prophet you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's up to you. You're claiming that you're obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by only following the Quran, but Allah says otherwise in the Quran that you think you're following. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the things, you know. One of the things is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in many verses in the Quran to take the commands of the Prophet, the commands of the, not his commands. He's like Allah's commands are in a different category, but also the commands of the Prophet are mandatory to follow. And what he forbids us from doing is mandatory to be forbidden. You know what I mean? So it's that simple. Also, as a proof, there is an authentic hadith by the Prophet. And this is you know narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, one of the greatest companions. The Prophet says, Laysa min Allahi illa wa bihi. What does that mean? The Prophet basically in a very, very explicit hadith says, There is nothing that would get you close to Allah unless I told you to do or commanded you to do. And there is nothing that would get you closer to hellfire unless I told you not to do. So basically, I told you what to do to get closer to Allah, and I told you what not to do that would get you closer to hellfire. Basically, I told you what to do to not get closer to hellfire. Everything that would get us close to Allah was recommended or commanded by our Prophet ﷺ, whether through Quran or through Hadith or you know Sunnah in general. And nothing would get us away from hellfire unless also the Prophet ﷺ told us to do whether from the Quran or from the Sunnah. Got it? So that basically puts a stamp on it, like they say. That's it. It's official. So for those of you who are rejecting the Sunnah, or those who are rejecting the Sunnah, you know, somewhere else, why are you doing that? That does not make any sense. Are you too lazy to follow the way of your Prophet, the one who given you the Qur'an, the one who delivered the Qur'an to you, the one who conveyed the Qur'an to you, the one who conveyed the whole religion of Islam to you. It was through the Prophet ﷺ coming from Allah, but through who? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking to the Prophet in the Quran and tell him, I only sent you, O Muhammad, as a mercy to mankind. Mankind. Mercy. Imagine if you were not a Muslim right now. Who would you be worshipping? You know? Now, that brings us to the final uh, 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 section of our uh, topic today, which is the Sunnah rejectors or the other sects, basically. So now we talked about the Sunnah. Now we can say Sunnah versus, you know, other sects. So you have the Quranic group. We talked about them briefly. We said those are the ones who always reject anything but the Quran. And we have something called the rejectors or the rawafid in, in Arabic. And then we have another group called the strays or the khawarij. And then we have a fourth and a final group called the rationals or the aqlaniyin. All these groups are basically sunnah rejectors. For the Quranic group, number one, again, Quran didn't tell you how to pray. Quran didn't tell you um, the times of when to pray. Quran didn't tell you how many rakahs. Quran didn't tell you the percentage of the zakah. Quran didn't tell you about zakat al-fitr. Stuff that you're actually doing. This is the for, for, this is you know to the to you know this is according to the Quranic group stuff that you guys are already doing. But it's not coming from the Quran. So how are you guys doing this? Why are you even doing it? Why are you even praying five times a day when it was not mentioned in the Quran? Why? You know? So, here's the thing. The Prophet ﷺ actually predicted the Quranic group, those who follow only the Quran. And he said in a hadith that a day would come. Now, this is 1,500 years ago, by the way. A day would come that an old man living comfortably will say while he's sitting in his like you know uh, whatever comfortable chair we only we only follow the quran but then that man forgot that two things were revealed to me by allah quran and sunnah you have to understand our prophet sallam allah showed him the future in many situations for many situations i mean one of them is those who are rejecting the sunnah right now. The Prophet ﷺ saw them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed him those people. And he knows exactly what's going to happen. Now, for the rejectors, they reject all the companions. And, and, and we have like the, um, you know, the famous example are the people from the Shia. This is where, um, you know, like the uh, this whole like debate, Shia and, 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 and Sunnah and whatever. Shia rejecting, and, and again, we're talking about a sect of Shia, a very famous sect of Shia who are rejecting all the companions. I do not, and they, they don't trust the companions narrating the hadith. Hence, they do not believe in any of the hadith, which is a serious problem. Because again, how do you pray? How do you pay your zakah? How do you pay your mandatory charity? If you do not believe in the hadith, that's problematic, right? Now, they also, some of them also have doubts about the Quran because how was the Quran conveyed to us? How was it transmitted to us? By what? By who? By the companions. They wrote it. The Prophet ﷺ said it, wrote it. He couldn't write, right? So they wrote it 
they wrote whatever he said and then a generation kept passing the Quran to the second generation and the third generation so if they don't trust the companions they don't trust their narrations how would they believe in the Quran see how problematic that is even though Allah said Allah will preserve the Quran but they're like nah well this could also be written by the companions yeah that, that, that that's a big conundrum here right here right now like what are you going to do about that you know Allah knows best now for the third group is the khawarij or what we call the strays. And this group basically say that you cannot sin. You cannot sin, period. And you because if you sin, if you commit a major sin, you became a disbeliever until the day of judgment. You cannot repent. Do you know how problematic also that is? <laughs> if you commit a major sin, you're done. There is no hope for you. You're just going straight to hellfire. That's insane. That is the literally the opposite of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep on kept on telling us in the Quran. And this is the opposite of what, what the Prophet kept on telling us in the Sunnah. But again, they don't believe in the Sunnah, so yeah. And the fourth group is the rationals or the aqlaniin. And those people they basically believe in this. Everything must make sense. And hence Sunnah is not a revelation. Okay, so if nothing makes, if something that is being said doesn't make sense, then they reject it. So, and, and I have a, a beautiful response for those people, but let's say this. One time the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, if a mosquito or if a fly flies and then stands in your cup, whatever, if you're drinking something, and then you see that it's dipped its one of the, its wings in your drink. The Prophet says, dip the other, the other wing in your drink. Because if one wing has the poison or toxic, the other wing will have the cure. This is the hadith. Allah created flies like that. If one of their wings is toxic or poisonous, the other wing has the antidote, basically. And then they were like, what the heck? This is like, a, this is, is this like Lord of the Rings? This is, does not make any sense. It's like a myth and mythical stuff, and there's no um, there's no chance here for you know belief. There's no chance for testing your belief. Nope, everything must make sense, which makes it very weird. If everything must make sense, then that means Allah should show Himself. Subhanallah, Taala, Allah. I mean, I don't mean to say it in any way, but why are you still believing? If everything makes sense, and this is my response to them, why are we praying five times a day instead of six? Why are we praying five times a day instead of four? Do you guys make sense of five? If everything needs to make sense, why do we do the wudu, the ablution that we do, the purification that we do before prayer, the way we do it, and not just take a shower? Why aren't we commanded to take a full shower to wash our bodies because we're going to be standing in front of Allah? If everything makes sense, that should be the case. But no, it has to be convenient to certain groups. You know, I don't have to take a shower because it's convenient not to take a shower. So in that case, it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. But that's the hypocrisy of some of these groups. Or I'm talking about people in general. I'm not attacking a specific group. I'm, I'm attacking... Um, 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 
an idea or like this whole like school of thought that says that's being hypocrite. Like the, you take what's, you know, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, basically you take what you want, but what you don't want or what make what, what makes you, you know, get out of your comfort zone, you just simply reject it. You know, that's how the atheists do it. And we need to see Allah. We need a proof. Okay. You're not going to get a proof then. We're not going to believe. But then there's so many signs that it's unbelievably like obvious. No. And the reason why, because that means if they believe, they have to pray, they have to fast, they have to do good stuff. That's, it will get them out of their comfort zone, you know. So that's basically it. These are the groups. Now, there are sects. And, and I'm about to say a hadith. And it's a, a very authentic hadith. that The Prophet ﷺ said what? The Jews were divided into, into 71 sects. And the Christians were divided into 72 sects and Muslims will be, because this was still the time of the Prophet ﷺ, will be divided into 73 sects. Here's the key part. And this is, look up the hadith. All 73 except one will be in hellfire. كلهم في النار إلا واحدة. There is no sects in Islam, my dear brothers and sisters. That's not how we do it. There's only one way, following Allah and his messenger through the sunnah. So when the companions asked him, what, which one is that, the or Prophet of Allah, that will be saved, that will, will not enter hellfire? He said, ما عليه أنا وأصحابي. My way and my companion's way, which is the sunnah way. That's the only way to paradise. That basically cuts it. Done deal. Authentic hadith, look it up. That's it. It's that simple. I'm not trying to be harsh towards any other group. I'm just saying what the Prophet ﷺ himself said. You can't come up with all your own sect. You can't come up with your own beliefs. You can't reject certain things coming from the Prophet ﷺ because it's just, it's just not convenient for you. That's not how the religion works. Other religions did this and it was an epic fail. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised us that this religion won't suffer, you know, the same problems that other religions have. Because it, not for because it's better, it's all religions of Allah. They're all coming from God, but it's because the it is the final religion. There will be no upcoming prophet who will correct us and puts us on the map again or on the right path again. So that's why Allah is preserving this until the day of judgment. Preserving, telling us, making it very clear the right way and the wrong way. And you have the right to choose now. Now, to answer the question of uh, our listener, uh, Margarita, she asked basically, what is Ahmadiyya? Now, Ahmadiyya is a pretty recent uh, branch of, I don't want to call it Islam. It's just something that came up and they're calling themselves Muslim. Muslims, and it literally showed up at the end or the, the end of the 19th century. This is a pretty new sect, you know, and it's actually from Punjab in India. This is like an Indian kind of sect that they just, you know, and the, the basically the person or the, 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 the founder of this sect, 
His name uh, was uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, and that's why it was called Ahmadiyya based on his last name. You know? So it's it's a brand new sect. That's basically, it's just a brand new sect. Something to, you know, it's like me and my friends, we just decided to come up with uh, whatever, the new, the 2020 uh, Islam now. Like the progressive Muslims, for example. Something that just, they, it just was born a couple of years ago and that was it. Now a little bit about, you know, this this guy, uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, the, the, the founder of this sect, the Ahmadiyya. He started as a scholar, a preacher, somebody who preached Islam. Then after a little bit, he started saying that he, he gets insp- inspiration by Allah directly, from Allah directly. So astaghfirullah, like he's getting a revelation of his own. Then he claimed that he's the Mahdi. The Mahdi is someone that was mentioned pretty well in our authentic ahadith, that he's someone who will show up in the end of times and he's going to unite the Muslims and he's from the family of the Prophet ﷺ. We know about this and we can have a full episode about Al-Mahdi, who is the Mahdi uh, uh, or the guided one. But bottom line is, he just claimed that he's the Mahdi. Nobody listened. Then, <laughs> after a little bit, he just claimed that he's Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah, the Messiah. He said that this whole like thing that Muslims believe in, that Jesus Christ was lifted, he said this is wrong. This never happened. He literally actually denied what the Prophet on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had said in the Quran, you know, that he was not lifted. No, 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 no. You guys misunderstood this. This is not what it was meant to be. What was actually meant is that uh, uh, instead of descending from, because we all know Muslims that Jesus Christ will descend from the heavens at the end of time to fight the Antichrist. So he said, no, 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 no. Descending doesn't mean physically descending. It's just him announcing himself as Jesus Christ. And that's me. Here you go. Here I am. And of course, it's all comical. This is like, you know, but a lot of people claimed prophethood before. Then when he said, oh, I'm like, this is metaphorically speaking, I'm announcing myself as Jesus. He said, I am Jesus. Straight up. Okay. So that means he is Jesus Christ. And then he kept claiming that he always gets messages from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, and Allah tells him to do certain things and to gather certain people and blah, 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 blah. And that's what it is. Now, when he claimed that he's Jesus Christ, nobody listened to the guy. Everybody thought, okay, he's, he's not right in the head. He did not get the response he wanted, you know. Then, okay, he said, I am Prophet Muhammad when he didn't get the you know the response he wanted, he said, "I am Prophet Muhammad and it was like uh, some sort of reincarnation. I'm the reincarnated Prophet Muhammad and I'm being sent to you again in the body of Mirza Ghulam. And actually, he says, "This is, I'm quoting him right now." He says, "In Allah and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala." sent Muhammad, peace be upon him, for a second time in, you know, in my shape, in my body, to finish or fulfill his promise. What the heck? 
he's just i'm reading his quotes right now and it's just like crazy so that's again i'm not trying to disrespect as muslim we cannot disrespect as much as crazy the comments or their claims are we still cannot disrespect them but it's just like to me it's a little bit mind-boggling now uh, they have a lot of weird beliefs like they believe in the whole like um the whole reincarnation thing they totally believe in it uh, they believe that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually prays allah himself god himself he prays himself and he fasts and he goes to sleep and he makes mistakes this is ahmadiyya for you guys think about it if allah makes mistakes we are doomed here on earth if our Lord, if our Creator, if our God makes mistakes, oh boy, we're done. Because one of the mistakes could be just burning the world or wiping out the entire human race. We cannot accept the fact that Allah makes mistakes because who makes mistakes? Human being. Allah actually made us make mistakes on purpose to show us that we're not divine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us dependent on drinking, on eating, and even using the bathroom. That's how dependent we are. That's the type of creatures we are, very dependent on certain things. Unlike Allah, He's subhanAllah very independent. He does not need us, He does not need anything, He does not need this existence, you know. But again, so that's what they believe in, you know. They say that uh, this guy, Mirza Ghulam, he said, Oh, Allah inspired me. He actually revealed to me that he prays. That this is astaghfirullah, subhanallah. Just, you know, Allah is telling him, Oh, I pray and I fast and I go to sleep and I, I make mistakes and I hope, you know, forgive me for my mistakes. What the heck? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is crazy. You know, and they also believe that the Prophet ﷺ is not the final messenger. You know, and they believe that Allah will keep sending messengers, and 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 they believe that Mirza Ghulam is also one of the final messengers. Like he's, again, he's a messenger, and he's the best one, and Allah loves him more. The it's it's all shenanigans, you know. And then um, uh, there's a lot of things that it shows you basically why they're not Muslims. They're technically a group of people who just got bored probably and they wanted to do something different. They wanted to go wild. So they came up with like the most ridiculous rules and this guy and he had followers. And then that's how it happened. That's what Ahmadiyya is, you know. Um, yeah, it's very, uh, they actually, they say liquor is halal. You can drink alcohol. You can, dr you can have drugs and you can eat pork and there is nothing wrong with that. Stuff that are completely forbidden for obvious reasons. We discussed it before. But yeah. Now, when you, any other Muslim, so the, the, any other one who is not from Ahmadiyya is a disbeliever until you become from them. Right? Uh, there is no, um, uh, um, yeah, they have their own weird versions of the Quran, but again, you can't even like hear about this because Allah, like I said, Allah promised us to preserve the only one and only version of the Quran. So they're, whatever their thing is, it's between them. It's like, again, an inner group kind of thing, you know? So there's a lot of like, a lot of things that are like really messed up about how they believe in things. Now that doesn't mean we disrespect them, but that means we disrespect at least their um, school, school of thought. 
because it's they're basically making fun of Allah, even though if they that's not their intention, but they are. They're saying that Allah makes mistakes. He goes to sleep. He does this and does that. Yeah, it's not befitting that we, uh, uh, what's the word, tolerate uh, such things uh, being, um, uh, you know, said about our uh, our Lord and Creator, and basically they're belying everything that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said in the Quran. That the Prophet ﷺ is the final messenger, you know, that he is the perfect being, that he does not make mistakes, he never does. He doesn't go to sleep. They're basically belying the Quran. So that that's why for those of you who are wondering oh, what is Ahmadiyya, that's exactly what it is. They are it's a dangerous school of thought. But alhamdulillah, thank to Allah, they're not that big. You barely hear about them. I know those of you who follow the news, you know, when it comes to like southern, the southern Asian, uh, you know, sects and or groups and and Muslims and whatnot. Yeah, but like in the Islamic world, they're they're nothing. Again, because why? Because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala promised us there will be conflict between us. There will be sects, but it won't be as you know. Like this is to me is crazy talk. I'm not gonna lie. So I hope that I answered your question and I hope, you know, I wasn't too harsh on anybody, but like, it's just, again, it was something that's completely unacceptable, just not towards Muslims. It's just towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. But uh, yeah, so this is basically uh, what Sunnah is. And I hope I concluded this um, on a good note. And uh, the sects who are against the rejectors of the Sunnah and the new sect, something like Ahmadiyya, who just popped up in the you know the end of the 19th uh, century, uh, claiming they're Muslims, but obviously you can tell from their theology or their aqidah that they're not. So I hope that I answered uh, your question, and I hope that um, answered all of your questions, even if you didn't ask them. And um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.